0: I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse three. It's a very short chapter. And then we're going to kind of dive into some Bible characters that surround the Easter, not Easter, Christmas story, right? Okay. So in Isaiah chapter 40, verse three, it says in the NIV, um, a voice is one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I want to read it again in the NLT because sometimes different versions kind of, um, uh, you know, they just say it differently, which can resonate a little bit better, and sometimes it doesn't. But in the NLT, it says, again, Isaiah 43 it says, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord, make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. So I thought that was a very uh, good translation of that. It says, Clear the Make straight way, a highway through the wasteland for our God, through the wasteland for our God. I want to kind of take you guys back to what Christmas was like last year in comparison to this year. I don't know about you guys, but it's a lot of chaos, right? I think the the way our culture is in America, it's a lot of consumerism, but a lot of chaos surrounding Christmas, right? Like chaos shopping. We are you know, coming on the Sunday at the tail end of Black Friday, right, right after Christmas or Thanksgiving and then before Cyber Monday. So consumerism is at its, it's peak right now because all the sales are happening. Chaos shopping, um, holiday parties, right, family get-togethers, this was last year again, right? Um, and it's very different this year. Okay, this year we, it's no doubt we all had a season and and the time to reflect and to really um, just kind of dive deep introspectively, I hope at least for um, the majority of us, while we are alone at home, this Thanksgiving felt different, right? For all of us, right, under the new um, two-week uh, two-week thing that was uh, placed on all Oregonians here in town. And I, and I was telling my friends, my family is from Las Vegas and um, and Texas, and so. I was telling my family members back, you know, I was like, I can't have you guys come visit me. And you know, my sister was supposed to fly in from Texas for Thanksgiving. And I and I told her we basically had made the decision together for her not to come. Um, and it, it was a hard decision. I only see my sister once every couple of years, you know, a handful of times. So she finally was able to buy a plane ticket and she was really excited. Um, but thankfully, all the airlines are very gracious with the whole ticket cancellation. So But it was very, very different. It was very hard. And a lot of us had made sacrifices this past holiday. Um, And Christmas is going to look also different as well, right? So it's not the same as last year. But I want to kind of still be able to discuss what it means to really think about Christ during this season. I think if if any other year, this should be the year where... It really, really means a lot. Christmas is just that shed of hope, that light of hope in such a dark moment in most of our lives. Right. That in this current circumstance situation. So let's talk about worshiping fully. We were um, what does it mean to worship fully? Let's talk about that first. Um, it means to be fully alive. Right. And how that glorifies God in. Um, what does that all entail, right? And what we that children's story was just like perfect of how, in everything that we do, we can worship God. My mom is a first generation Korean, and sometimes she calls me, and, and the way they do worship is very different. For her, it's very um, you go to church, you pray, you fast, you read your Bible at a set time every single day, right? For her, that's worship, and so she would call me on occasion and be like, What are you guys? what are you guys doing for worship and i was like well you know we're on zoom calls and she just thinks it's it's different right and she's like you guys don't meet at church and i was like you guys meet at church <laughs> you know cuz she's in las vegas and, and she's like we do you know and short numbers and all that stuff and and i she's like she would pry into my private life sometimes my spiritual life and be like how often do you pray you know how long are your how, what's the duration and the intensity of your prayers and i'm like mom that's not that's not what worship is and And some people have this misconception about worship. It's like, oh, you know, like I haven't put in my time with God. And so therefore my spiritual life is is in the gutter. But worshiping fully means to worship God in all aspects of your life, right? And In the children's story, as simple as it is, it's through singing. It's through giving. It's through relationships. It's through prayer. It's through all of these things that we worship fully, okay? So what is worship? Well, in in the book, The Advent Conspiracy Book, it talks about that our hearts are formed by what we worship our hearts are formed by what we worship so the heart of what we're searching for this is directly from the book hope peace love rest worship is buried in the seasonal chaos each step we take toward an overstuffed schedule and an overextended budget is one step further away from the nativity again our covid season it's different this year right but i our overstuffed schedule um, it's probably non-existent now. You know, all the holiday parties and the Christmas events and the plays and everything that we used to do last year, it's, it's cut down significantly. But I don't know if our budget has changed, <laughs> okay? Um, there's a meme out there which makes me chuckle every time, but the, it's a therapist talking to his counsel, to their counselor and the therapist goes, Ask the client and what do we say when we're sad? And the client goes, add to cart. And <laughs> says, no. <laughs> right. I thought that was so clever. But it's that's kind of the mentality of, of a lot of us. Um, you know, when when we're when we're stressed, I, I don't know for all a lot of us, um, but for the at least the stay-at-home moms that I know, shopping is definitely a comfort thing. Um, and uh it's about the consumers and something about getting that thing or that. Materialistic thing um, adds a little bit of relief for for um, for us, um, but when this time of year, it should be about focusing on Christ. It should be the easiest, but it's oftentimes the hardest. It's oftentimes the hardest, and so as followers of Jesus, our options are clear. Um, we can inhabit the story of the corrupt world and bow to a counterfeit king, right? We could bow to all of these materialisms and consumerism, consumerisms, um, things, or we can enter the story of God and celebrate the world, uh, one world, world's one true Lord, right? Which is Christ, that he came into this world. So how do we worship differently? Um, this is from, I'm using the example from Reverend Luke, I think it's Jorgen, Jorgensen. Jorgen? I can't say his last name, I'm so sorry. It was from the Advent Conspiracy, um, small group setting and he had this great illustration that I wanted to share and if it's repetitive to you guys I'm sorry but I thought it was perfect. but he says, you know when you do when when we did have guests come over to your house at Christmas, um, what do you do right you clean the house you make sure everything's put in order um, you cook the meal but then you know what do you do with some of the clutter right um, We push it all aside or we hide it under things right For me it's definitely. Hiding the sheer amount of toys that my kids have been given. And so we just like stuff him under like the couch and then put it in the bookshelf, like hide it, just kind of get rid of the clutter, right? We just kind of get rid of the clutter so it looks like our house is neat. Well, that's a lot of like what it's or um, preparing for Christ, for preparing for this Advent season is like is that we are preparing for God to come to us and he hasn't gone anywhere and he just doesn't come on Christmas day, but we are the ones that have walked away. And so we have to clear out the clutter in our lives, the clutter in our lives the noise in our lives and to allow, to invite Christ, to invite Christ back into our hearts and our minds and our lives again. Um, He had said this great quote. He says, we make our slow progression away from God on December 26th. I know that was so powerful. We make our slow progression away from God on December 26th how true is that for some of us that we are preparing for Christmas and we are like yes it's about Jesus is coming on you know coming to earth and and then it gets distracted by all the ho- holiday stuff and even even in the Christmas station like you know with the le- we have Alexa and we're like come on play I play I say Alexa play Christmas music and it's all filled with like pop holiday music but nothing really with about Christ and so I have to be really specific and be like Alexa play Christian Christmas music. And then it would, you know, replay the station. But all of these distractions come into our lives. And then we have Christmas. And it's like the day of like even on Christmas Day, it's chaos. I don't know if it is at your house or my house, but my house it is. It's like, okay, we're gonna open all these presents and then oh, it's time for eating and then go play with your toys. And then, oh yeah, it's about Jesus. Guys, let's let's talk about Jesus for a second. And then and then we make our slow progression away from God on December 26th. Worship during Advent means to that we need to declutter our souls and find places in our hearts um, where God hasn't dwelled before, and to invite Him in, into all the spaces. And um, all this—that's what it means to worship fully into all of our area and our being and the way we act—is to invite Him into our into our lives in that way. Um, so, how do we prepare ourselves during this time? Well, the book goes into detail about some. The, if you think about the characters of the nativity story, each of those guys are examples of people who have worshipped fully, right? Like starting with Mary, she was. Scholarship says she was like maybe sixteen or seventeen. She was just a teenager, and she was given this immense task to carry the son of God in in her belly for nine months, and all of that growing up as you know, a girl that understands the history of her people. And, you know, she probably had to go to the temple with her family and understood all of the stories and where the people of Israel were at, at that moment in time. And then all of a sudden being told that she was going to deliver this baby and raise the baby, you know, as a son of God, that's, I, I don't, I that sounds overwhelming to me, but, she just knew that this was going to be a histor- historical game changer, and you can see, read about her responses and how she magnifies God in that song. She has a song; she sings the song. It's called "It's Considered." Uh, um, I'm going to put "It's Magnificat." Magnificat, where she magnifies God, right? And other saints in the past have done this before. And and key characters and and it. She just understood the overwhelming responsibility but joy that this baby was going to bring for the rest of humankind this young young girl just understood what this all meant and she's saying it right and she worshiped god because she understood what this meant for the entire human population she understood it right we talk the bible story talks about elizabeth right we know john's wife and, or John's life, and she, uh, the mother of John, I'm sorry. And she uh, opened her home for Mary while they were both pregnant. If you have to think about that situation, the book goes into detail about how, you know, Mary had a visit from the angel. The angel told her that she was going to have a baby. And can you imagine what the people were saying in her town, in her small little town? She probably needed, Mary probably needed somebody to confide in, somebody to trust, somebody to feel like, hey, somebody that has gone through this or is going through this that can be uh, a safe space for her to feel loved and understood so she went to her she went to her family member elizabeth who also had a visit from the angel and elizabeth opened her home and took mary in right in that way even taking care of mary giving mary a safe space for her to um feel loved and understood that is that is a form of worship as well right reminds me of a time where my theological, my theology professor had explained that he lived on a street um, in a rough part of town. I think it was like in in uh, somewhere in the East Coast, just like really rough, rough part of town. And his home, you know, he had teenage kids, his home became a haven for all the other troubled youth on that street. Like they would all come to his house almost all throughout the day and all throughout the night. And at first, you know, he would, com- his wife was very gracious, but he would complain, like, there's just too many kids at my house. Like, I don't understand what's happening until he started to realize that every single one of them had came from such a troubled, troubled home in the past and that they were all drawn to the safety of his home because his home was a God-fearing home and a place of peace and comfort. And it had just like a magnet. All of these kids would come to his house because they felt safe and loved and understood, Right. Elizabeth did the same way. She opened her up her home to Mary and took care of her, and she worshipped God in that way. Joseph, we he obeyed regardless of what his family or closest members thought of this whole c- circumstance. Um, remember, he he tried to uh, do things secretly, but then the angel was like, "No, you know, you need to take Mary," and he was able to um, glor- glorify and worship God by just obeying regardless of what people thought. Right, obeying God regardless of what people thought. The shepherds, they dropped everything to go find Jesus. All of their responsibilities. They were like, "It's time to go," and they just left. Right? They didn't care about anything else but just finding Christ. The magi, right? The, the three wise men. They confronted. They were confronted with um, everything that could get them in trouble. Right? The king was on to him, on them, and they didn't care. Like they risked their lives to give them. To give Christ these gifts and to worship him. They risk their lives, right? To give to Christ. All of these characters and just in the nativity scene in the Bible have worshipped, have worshipped fully, right? Again, how do we do that, right? And COVID, COVID Christmas 2020 looks very different. I, I say that repeat because it's an understatement, right? Some of us are feeling lonelier than ever, right? This Thanksgiving holiday was probably a painful, a painful one, right? Um, some of us are seeing somber and um, just a sobering feeling that of, of maybe having a reflection of things that we've taken for granted last year. And now we're like, oh man, what I would give to be sitting with my family members during this time or, or um, you know, just all of those, all of those memories are kind of coming back. Feeling like, um, like this year, this year, it, it just kind of, it, it was a downer. This year was a downer right? The Christmas message, it should be a reminder of this hope as believers, right? That God came to be with us, right? His name, Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23 says, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us. Wherever we're at, okay, in each one of our living rooms or respective homes, um, being uh, in the stay-at-home order, this message should be just a beacon of hope once again, that Christ came to be with us, and he is with us now, right? He is present, ever so present with each and every single one of us now, okay? The Bible talks uh, a lot about suffering and lament, right? And actually, when Nils had asked me to speak this week, this week in in my studies, it was about suffering and lament and being present as a counselor. And I was like, "Oh, this is how appropriate this is." So I'm reading, you know, from all of this stuff, and you know, God is, it, it, you know, in the book that I'm reading, it says that oftentimes Christians skip over the suffering part because right, it's uncomfortable but we almost just kind of jump to the end like let's just get through it really fast and then oh, let's all be better you know let's just get to the where everything is good part but instead of not um being present in the suffering being present in the loneliness being present in the hard stuff right and as counselors as as me being a, a student to be a counselor we were taught that to to stay within stay with the clients during their suffering um, because it's only through the suffering or pain, pain pain that is played out where there can be meaningful change, meaningful change. Okay, this is from an academic book that I read this week. Okay, that only if we stay with people's sufferings as a counselor, there can be meaningful therapeutic change. And I was reading that and preparing for this message and I was like, okay, God, I get it, right? I hear you. What God is saying is that he is, first of all, he is considered the wonderful counselor of our hearts. He is the wonderful counselor of our hearts, right? God isn't just um, somebody who's just going to fix it and get get over your whatever problems that we have, whatever loneliness and issues and anger and all these. He just doesn't like patch it up and be like, okay, fine. He makes us go through the hard healing part because he – understands and he is again the best counselor that we'll ever get but he knows that there can only be meaningful change when we are in it but here's the here's the joy and and the hope that we can fully rest on is that he doesn't leave us there to just suffer in our loneliness and to suffer in whatever we're going through he is there with us because he himself had suffered for us okay All of those characters like Mary and Elizabeth and Joseph and the shepherds and magi, Christ had did all of that for us, right? Christ's glory, he magnifies God in in the way he lived. and, and, And he opened up his heart and gave himself fully to the people that needed him, right? And he didn't care what other people thought. He didn't care what the Pharisees thought. He did what was necessary like joseph did you know he dropped everything he dropped everything to come to us right um when he was confronted with a lot of the evils of this world like the magi see jesus did all of that for us and he's still doing that he's still doing that as we think about this advent season and we think about christ coming and we think about the nativity scene i want every single one of us to be to be reminded that he came for us that he is present. His name means Emmanuel, that these are all just um, these things that he's done for us. It's, it, it's because he wants to be with us. So let's clear the clutter, whatever clutter we have in our heart. If you're dealing with things, give it to God because he is the greatest counselor and he is present with you and he wants to go through that with you because he knows there's meaningful change through him. And I invite, I just challenge all of us to um, allow God to be present into our lives again.